Hello and welcome to Women Who Rock, a podcast promoting female musicians and artists. Today I am joined by Brie, Eva and Georgia of Sydney indie rock band Library Siesta. Brie, Eva and Georgia, welcome to the show. Hello. Thank hey. you, Matt. <laughs> it's really great to have you all. Uh, this is our first ever three guest show, so oh. I'm very much looking forward to this. <laughs> Us too. Me too. Uh, you know, Library Siesta is playing a gig at uh, the Chippo Hotel, I think, on the 2nd of July. It has been a lot, pretty long time since we've seen Library Siesta. So I'm interested to hear how your relationship individually has kind of been with live music over the last year. We haven't seen Library Siesta play, but um, have you guys been going to lots of gigs or watching lots of live streams? or none of the above? How, how has that happened? I, I tried to engage with some live stream gigs that were happening sort of in the height of COVID, but it really wasn't, obviously it really wasn't the same. Um, and it kind of just made me a little bit sad. Um, yeah. But I, 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 I couldn't really yeah. get into the live streams either. I'd, I'd watched a few of the isolated ones and a few of Friends ones, but... It just was lacking the the element of actually being in the room while it's happening, which is like half of the fun, really. Yeah, um, and, and the social aspect of going to gigs. Yeah, exactly. It's a huge part of it for me. So that was missing. Yeah, for me it was just like seeing friends do their kind of like own little live streams. And that was nice because it was like, you know, I'm thinking of friends that are um, in Melbourne, like Nick who plays mm-hmm. in Soft Taco, like that just warmed my heart, like seeing um, seeing him play. But yeah, that's, and we wouldn't have got to see him play if he hadn't exactly. done that. And it's like <laughs> friends that I so, usually that like see in a year because like we'd go down to, like I'd go down to Melbourne to visit or they'd come up here for some reason. And it's just sort of like with COVID, and all the sort of lockdowns, especially with Melbourne friends, like that possibility of seeing your friends and knowing when you're going to see those kind of interstate friends again is kind of pulled into question a lot. And so, um, yeah, it was just so nice to to see to see them play. But in terms of live stuff, like I feel like I'm only just starting to go back to gigs again. Like it's I'm still not on like the regular sort of schedule that I was on before. Like pre-COVID, I was probably Mm -hmm. at a gig like in a typical week, like two or three nights a week I'd be out. Um, And, yeah, like when gigs started back up, it was just kind of in this weird format where everything was ticketed to begin with and I'm really broke. So it was just like, well, I, (laughs) I can't afford to see shows. But you know, the sort of free entry gigs have sort of started to happen a little bit more. Um, So, yeah, it's been really nice. Like, it's just so nice. Like, me and Eva went to see a gig, I think, a couple of weekends ago and was just like, oh, my God, this is just, like, the best thing ever, seeing 
yeah seeing shows um but yeah it was like we'd never left it had never stopped yeah but it, there was that it felt as though it had yeah, never it, stopped it felt simultaneously like routine but also special yeah like, it was just a lot of familiarity yeah, but it was very yeah, familiar but also nostalgic. just so like lovely and sweet and yeah hopefully hopefully things yeah. will continue down that path <laughs> um I had a bit of a similar thing, I guess. I sort of have been tiptoeing back to gigs as Mm. well, definitely not with the same regularity that I would have had in like 2018 or 2019. The first one that I went to was a Botany View Hotel and it was packed for one of Cameron's, the first Bear Next Door gig back. Oh, awesome. Um, And it was really cool and there was certainly a sense of familiarity but I sort of also had this, I don't know if paranoia is the word, mm. but it's the first time that I'd been in a room with 100 people in a very close, mm. confined yeah. space. Mm. And I almost felt like, are we supposed to be doing this? Is this <laughs> yeah. like, you can't not be is, aware yeah, of that. Completely. <laughs> I, yeah, completely. I found gigs like to be a little bit, kind of bittersweet because it's like hey we we finally made it through and we you know we're able to play live music again but like it's still obviously not the same like depending on the venue or the restrictions at the time it's still not quite the same as it as it would have been in the past Mm. um yeah and i feel like gotta just be thankful that we can go to live music currently Sure. The last Library Siesta album uh, was from 2015 and you have a new one on the way which is going to be facilitated by winning the Accessible Arts Grant. So very big congratulations on that. Thank you. That's great news. I actually spoke to Eve Lund of Reality Instructors who were also successful in in that round. So we we chatted a little bit about it, but I'm interested to hear your take about maybe tell us a bit about uh, what the award is, kind of um, how it works and how it's going to help facilitate the Library Siesta album. Yeah, so I'll, I'll take that one, team. Um, so it's um, a it was a grant that was um, awarded to, I think, 10 bands or musicians, um, and it was a really open-ended one to um, basically help musicians um, with disability sort of get back into things, you know, as COVID sort of opens up. Um, And so, yeah, we applied and we were successful um, and that made us like so happy um, because what it meant for us was that we could finally um, basically (laughs) create this second album that we've basically been working on and writing since the end of 2015 when we put out that other album so it's something we've been working on for a solid (laughs) like five almost six years now and I'd say like most of those songs were written like quite a few years ago we've sort of just been like chipping it away at them ever since but there's been this like frustration for me at least where um money was just such a barrier for actually realizing this project and and getting these songs recorded and sounding the way that like I specifically really wanted them to sound um like I really didn't want to compromise on the production for these songs 
And so that meant money. Like you need you need money to do that. Um, and yeah, and then suddenly this thing that felt like really impossible for like many many years. Um, yeah, it felt like almost overnight everything became possible. And yeah, it's been really fun. Money can be exchanged for goods and services. <laughs> and <laughs> so. Is it quite open-ended? So it seems as though the way that it's helping you guys is that it's sort of, it's really facilitating getting into the studio and being able to pay for studio time and producers and production and stuff. Uh, so when, I guess, when they give the, the money, are they kind of restrictions or it's more just like you can use this for whatever you need to do to finish your project? Um, well, we had to apply so- for like a specific project and we had to put together a budget. Um, so generally it's like money for that project um we do have a deadline that we have to complete the project by um and because our project was recording side of things not necessarily releasing side of things it just means that we have to have the recording bit done um and that's by 30th of june which is really really soon oh right so it's actually quite a uh a short deadline yeah yeah Yeah. it's pretty quick turnaround yeah Okay. Which was, well, yeah, but... which was, I think, fine, like part of the reason that we might have like had a successful application was because we were so prepared, having like worked on these songs for five years. It was like, yes, this is a project that is ready to go. So, yeah. It can be good to have a deadline as well. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. To really yeah. help the creative process. And also to stop us um, like overthinking things indefinitely mm. and not um, settling on something that is that is good. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. I, I think that's something that we tend to do because we, we rehearse quite a bit and we're always going over these songs and making tweaks here and there. We can get, I guess, stuck in a bit of a cycle of continually tweaking and tweaking and tweaking and... Yeah, just having a deadline makes makes us have to actually decide on the final product. Which is terrifying. Yeah. I find it terrifying. <laughs> <laughs> like, it almost feels like once, but like for something that's been living, like I always think of songs as something that's like living. And so this is, these songs have been living for like, you know, five years, some of them. And then it feels like recording them is like killing them. And it's like, because they're, because they're not going to, like, that's what, this is the final thing. It just feels so like, yeah. No, it's not the killing end. them. It's like giving them immortality. But. But this is the age. We're picking the optimum age to be immortal for. Well, no, not just the optimum age. It's also like the light that they're shone in. Like, we're, yeah, we're capturing them now, exactly. but it's like you can still get them as they are now in, you know, a hundred different ways like it could sound a hundred different ways and all the little decisions we're making right now are like yeah how people are gonna know these songs so I don't know I'm terrified but I'm also isn't isn't the recording and releasing of the songs the birth not the death of the songs yeah (laughs) well you know potato potato (laughs) (laughs) I guess it can Depends how far yeah. we can stretch this miracle of life um, analogy, but it's a cycle. Sure, a circle of life, just like the Lion King. It's in the song. <laughs> <laughs> 
Well, you know, I think we better listen to one of these songs. Um, so we're going to hear today um, one of the demo recordings for one of these tracks that's being recorded for the upcoming Library Siesta album. Uh, this song we're going to hear is called Silence. The track that we just heard was a very new demo from Library Siesta called Silence off the upcoming 
album, which we should discuss. You know, I was going to say the album title, but I don't actually know. Um, so you should tell. Uh, you've been doing using this grant for about three months now, I think. Um, so yeah, can you let us know how that short time frame recording is going? Yes. <laughs> um. <laughs> <laughs> yes, we can, Matt. Well, we, um, uh, the recording side, we're pretty much done as of a couple of days ago. Put like one last little sprinkle of guitar in there on Sunday. And then, yeah, so um, we're going to have a, um, a listening party tomorrow night oh, cool. with our producer, our wonderful beautiful producer um whose name is ryan k brennan who we wouldn't have been able to work with without the grant oh ryan is producing yeah 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 Yeah. cool in perth from perth he he came over from perth really yeah is he in sydney now no 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 he's back in perth now so we're gonna have a a virtual listening party a virtual listening yeah we we flew him over just for the recording and then he went back. Wow. Yeah. He was amazing to work with. Yeah, so amazing. Yeah, he's the best. I think that, I mean, we've probably spoken about Ryan on, Ryan has probably featured on more Women Who Rock podcasts than any other person. So, <laughs> um, well, that's really great that the um, the grant could facilitate that, could get him to come over. So with this award, uh, you mentioned before that you kind of done the recording. Is there a stipulation that you just that you need to get everything completely finished? Like you do the recording and then also the mixing and also the mastering as well? Yes, yes. We basically because um, that was what we put into the grant when we um, applied for the project. So yeah, basically as we've been um, recording stuff like we did all of the instruments in the studio live and then we did a lot of overdubs including the vocals all from home by ourselves um and so as we've been chipping away at a few little overdubs from home ryan's been mixing stuff and like sending through the mixes so we're about to like yeah just wrap up the mixes now um and then once they're all sort of signed off on with um we'll we'll end up getting mastering yeah, I mean, it's not just the money, but maybe also having that deadline has really um, pushed you to get these things done. I'm interested. I mean, the thing is that this has been kind of evolving and progressing for maybe five years, but then there's been this really kind of acute creativity or this acute moment of um, getting things done. How has that? How has being in that moment being? Like, has it been? you think uh, useful for getting everything done or how has it kind of changed your perception of how uh, the album works by having this strict deadline that you have to meet? Mm. It made it seem very real <laughs> all of a sudden. Um, yeah, it's it's, def- it's definitely been really nice to have a deadline and actually have the ability to, to meet it, you know, with the grant. Um, but the timing of it, um, you know, coming after, what, a year and a half of us not gigging at all. Um, like we still rehearse fairly regularly, but um, just like changes in like my personal circumstances, I don't have as much time to practice as I would have pre-COVID. 
Um, so having to suddenly be ready to go into a studio and have it up, like to play to a, a level that like I'm happy with or that everyone's happy with is was like a little bit of a personal challenge because I I feel like I've I'm not playing as well as I have in the past necessarily. I thought you nailed it, Georgia. So, oh, <laughs> oh, thank you. <laughs> I wasn't fishing. Um, but, <laughs> but, yeah, I just, like, it was a little bit of a personal challenge for me going, like, okay, like, I feel like I'm the least fit sort of drum-wise that I've been in a few years and I'm having to suddenly record an album. Um but like we put it, we we prepared a lot for it. Like we really ramped up our rehearsals and made sure yeah. we were on top of everything. So and it's especially different, yeah. I guess, like drumming live or drumming in rehearsals compared to drumming in the studio, because you're kind of the backbone for everything because you've got the click in your ear and everything is kind of relying on on you to keep to that time, right? Yeah. Oh well, it was it was lucky that. Um, we had these really cool like headphone personal headphone mixes so we didn't all have to go on like one mix where uh, it's like the drummer's mix where the click is like blasting <laughs> um but yeah that def- definitely a bit more pressure I guess for me to feel like I need to have everything solid in the studio because I don't have as much of a of a luxury to re-record a part if like you know a few weeks later if it turns out I didn't do it very well or something you know I just wasn't happy with the performance or something it's just sort of stuck there as Mm. I played it so yeah but that's always the way so it seems as though the whole project I mean it's pretty close to actual completion but that's sort of different to having it out in the world Mm. so do you have in terms of distribution is the plan to do a few singles and then release or is the album going to come straight out? How is that going to work? We actually had a chat about this like two nights ago <laughs> um, or three nights ago. Um, basically because we haven't like even played a show in what's almost like two years, um, we're just going to take our time with it and like sit on it for a little bit, just focus on gigs for the next half of this year, I think, um, and reconnecting with the community and you know, going to more shows ourselves and um, just trying to get amongst it a bit more. And then we'll sort of like beginning of next year is when we're thinking of putting out um, a couple of singles and then eventually like the album. Yeah, so it's going to be a little while. (laughs) Okay. Well, I mean, we're going to be seeing you and hearing you soon enough though i mean it's going to be is it two weeks until i think it's the second of july the first gig at the chippo yeah. hotel yeah just under two weeks Got it. so excited. i'll be there i'm really looking forward to seeing you guys live Yay. again and also looking to see looking forward to the fruits of the labor over the last three months <laughs> and, uh getting to some for a second like i really love fruit and for a second there i thought it was just literally there was going to be fruit there and i was just like what <laughs> I got really excited and then when when I realized it was just like our songs I was like oh <laughs> I mean where's my bowl of strawberries I guess you could bring fruit they could pay us in fruit well, ma- well I mean maybe the Chippo hotel has no outside food I don't know <laughs> 
it's a cutthroat world out there, so maybe you're not allowed your own strawberries or if, whatever. If you're out there listening to this maybe. podcast and you're planning on coming to our show, um, please sneak in some fruit for me and just, like, leave it at my feet when yeah. I'm on the stage and I will love you forever. <laughs> sure. <laughs> segment where I have a list of topics and I ask you to choose one and tell us something about it. The topics are musical equipment, recording equipment, poetry, Patti Smith, punk rock, death, and politics. So uh, Library Siesta, collectively, can you please uh, tell us a thing? Musical equipment. <laughs> okay. You made it sound like it's a game <laughs> <laughs> I'll have musical equipment, please. Mate. I really should have organised some buzzers with this many guests, shouldn't I? <laughs> um, yeah, we we have so we're a five piece, and we have um, three, well, four guitars. No, is that right? Including bass, three, including including bass, and. Um, yeah, none of us can swap guitars and play each other's guitars. Um, yeah, despite having big guitars, so they're all they're all very um, very special. You yeah. mean that like they're you go unique? Into detail, <laughs> you mean that they're like unique to that kind of person? Or I can go into detail as to why now. Yeah, so, so we've, we've, we've got a we've got a lefty guitarist, Bobby. And then Eva's right-handed. And then Bree, you've got a unique guitar. Yeah, mine's probably the, sorry to, I mean, I'm very biased, but I think mine's the most interesting. <laughs> um, my, mine. Yours has the most interesting tuning, right? Well, it's just, it doesn't have as many strings as what you would think of when you say the word guitar. So it's a, it's technically a tenor guitar. Um, and, but it's an electric solid body thing. Um, and so, yeah, it kind of makes things a bit interesting for us and keeps, keeps us on our toes and it creates space as well as a five piece, like, um, because you don't have like the two strings that are missing are the low E and the A. Um, and so it creates a bit of space for one of the other guitars to sort of play in that, in that range. Um, yeah. And it's just, it's kind of cool. It's, um, and so is also, it standard tuning or and just with no E and A or is it – I thought it was a different tuning. Um, Maybe that's not right. You, it can be, but I play it mostly in standard tuning. Um, right. And, okay. But there's there's some songs where I've been experimenting with, like, yeah, with different tunings. And because the way Brie plays guitar and writes songs with her guitar is very – punk rock in a way in that um it correct me if i'm wrong brie but she does sort of is very sort of experimental in that she just picks random shapes a lot of the time and sees how they sound and doesn't necessarily tell us what the chord is um and sometimes because they are quite 
random at times, it's hard to work out what the chord is. And so um, for the lead guitarists, when we write our parts, it's um, a lot more intuitive than, say, if our rhythm guitarist was playing just a regular guitar with standard tuning because if, if that was the case, we would kind of know straight away what the chords are and write, like often people just write lead parts based around the chords just sort of habitually, whereas um, I find I don't really do that when I play with Brie and write songs with yeah, Brie. I kind it's of more... force everyone to, um, because I write in a way that's a little bit different, I think it force, forces the whole band to kind of write in that way as well, um, which is, yeah. yeah, I don't know if it's annoying for other people or not, but um yeah it's it's I think it's meant that uh, yeah I think it's meant that we've we've been able to I don't know come up with more unique style so then my question is what is the unique aspect of the drum kit if everything else (laughs) nothing really (laughs) oh okay (laughs) depends which kit I mean the one we practice with is just kind of a whole bunch of different different parts all pulled together. Yeah, it's a bit of a Frankenstein kit of <laughs> just things that work. Um, but def- that's definitely not the kit we recorded. No. <laughs> well, I think that this is the first try guest episode. So... Um, you kind of buzzed in really quickly with the musical equipment, but do you have another topic you wanted to? Because I think I can extend it to two topics because we have three oh. guests. Um. Okay. So what comes to mind for me is like, first of all, there's kind of just this common theme in a lot of my songs, like even on the album Future Haunts that we put out in 2015, um, death is just sort of like a reoccurring um topic like I'm actually that nerdy that last night I was like because we were talking about track sequencing and I was like oh I really want to think about like the different themes and the narratives and like how the sequencing of the track of this album that we're working on is going to like how the album's going to sound in terms of narrative wise if we put this track before this one because of the different themes that sort of um the different threads that run through it and so I was like mapping it out and I was like, man, death comes up a lot. <laughs> um, I write a lot of songs about it. So um, I remember like a few years ago I was doing a solo show um, at this little venue. I think it's called Secret Garden Bar. And I was about to play a song and I think I introed it and it was one of my many songs relating to death. And I kind of, I can't remember what I said, but I made a little joke about it um, before I played it. And then apparently, and I couldn't see this from where I was, but I think Paul was in the audience and Paul's our bass player. And he told me afterwards that as I was playing this song and it sort of got to the crescendo part, he looked out the window and there was this big gust of wind and a dead pigeon had been like picked up by the wind. (laughs) It was like (laughs) flying through the air. Okay. <laughs> you know, music, your music is more powerful than you realize. Actually, like it's it's really otherworldly. <laughs> but we're not saying necessarily that you killed. No, no, no. It was already dead, apparently. <laughs> um, 
Okay. And I think, Allegedly. I think he also said that that like um, an old woman was a zombie past pigeon. and got scared at the, at the dead pigeon flying at her. <laughs> um, so I do feel sorry for her if that was my fault. <laughs> You're only <Yeah>. regret. <laughs> yeah, yeah I, I'm gonna. Since then, I've tried not to do that at my shows, and I promise that won't happen um, at our next one. <laughs> Yeah, at the Chippo Hotel, yeah. 2nd of July, 9pm doors, and, you know, we should be there. Uh, pigeons allowed or not? I'm not sure. It's underground, it's, it's though. Under, it's underground, so I, yeah. I think we'll be pretty safe. It's like pigeons. a basement, basically. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so, yeah. dead pigeon-free. Think no more avian in, in Well, it'd be pretty impressive um, if, like, <laughs> we played a song and a dead <laughs> pigeon, like, flew through the air. Um, sure. Yeah. I think that's at that point there needs to be an investigation, <laughs> but before then it's probably fine. Yeah. Uh, Bree, Georgia, and Eva, thank you so much for coming on Women Who Rock. It really was a pleasure to talk to you all um, and very much we're looking forward to the result of this grant and the album forthcoming. Thank you so much, Matt. Thank, thank you. you, Matt. It was such a pleasure. Women Who Rock is proudly produced in the Sydney studios of 2SER 107.3.